Welcome to the Heritage Online Podcast. This is our weekly deep dive into the scriptures, the church, Methodism, faith, and following Jesus Christ. Our passage today comes from Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 1. It says this. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. But then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send him out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, Send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission. And the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank and into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, he saw the man who had been possessed they saw, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting back into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis, or the ten cities, how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So, this is an interesting place for Jesus and the apostles to land their boat, right? I mean, this is a place full of tombs, which are unclean for the people of Israel. It's a place full of large herd of pigs, thousands of pigs, which are unclean for the people of Israel. And so it's a curious place for them to decide to arrive on shore. It could be that 
you know, this is just after the story where uh, Jesus was in the boat with the apostles and the big storm comes and threatens to capsize them. And so he calms the storm. Well, maybe the winds blew them a little bit off course. And so they ended up in a place like this. Or perhaps the Holy Spirit was in those winds and guided the boat in just the right place so that this incredible collection of evil that was inside this man would be confronted with the ultimate source of good. There are a lot of theological questions that pop up here. (laughs) I have some, maybe you do too. What's going on with this guy? What is this? What's happening? Is this mental illness? Is that what this is? Is this an addiction? Or, I don't know, could an evil spiritual being actually come and dwell inside a person and destroy them from the inside? Something that can happen? Is that possible? Well, once again, we have plenty of questions to ask the scriptures that the scriptures don't seem to be interested in answering. (laughs) They have their own agenda. We do know that we all have choices we can make every single day. Those choices can be to love God and love our neighbor. And we know that when we give ourselves in service to God and our neighbor, that walks us down a more hopeful, fruitful path. We know if we choose instead to give in to temptations and serve ourselves, we know that walks us down a less hopeful path. When we surrender ourselves to temptation and sin and give in to the urges that serve ourselves, the expense of serving God and serving our neighbor, we learn that sin never satisfies, but instead leaves us believing we just need to have another, another dose. Maybe the next time we give in, that'll satisfy us, or the next time. It never quite satisfies us, but always propels us to go seek it again next time. Trusting that maybe the next time it'll fulfill us. Always leaves us craving more and more. Enticing us to give ourselves away to the evils and the brokenness of this world. So the passage said that night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. You know, regardless of how this man came to invite these demons into his life, or how perhaps someone did something to him to send these demons into his life, however they got there, or maybe some combination of the two, we know that they were an evil present reality in his life now, and they had taken over his life and put him in such pain, put him in so much anguish, So much struggle in his very soul. It caused him the kind of pain that made him believe the only way to overcome the pain in his soul was to create pain in his body that would outweigh the pain in his soul. There are people close to me 
who have struggled with cutting themselves. And it's really true that there are sometimes emotional, mental, spiritual pains that people feel. For whatever reason, however they got there, they are so great that a person begins to feel there is no other hope than to cause themselves injuries that will be painful enough to make them forget about the pain in their hearts. It's a dark place to be. It's a place where sin wants us to be, though. Verse 6 says, When he saw Jesus from a distance, the demon-possessed man ran and fell on his knees in front of Jesus. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asks him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send him out of the area. We know that a Roman legion, this is during the Roman Empire, we know that a Roman legion was 6,000 soldiers. Does that mean he had 6,000 demons in him? Well, there are 2,000 pigs, and there are more than enough to fill the pigs and send them all running into the water. What we do know is that it was a lot. There were a lot of demons that plagued this man. This is so interesting how this evil in him has encountered Jesus and see what it does to try to stay in power, to keep from losing its grip on this person. That's how sin operates. Sin wants to hang on and keep its grip like a predator after its prey. Once it's got you, it does not want to let go. See the things that it tries. First, it falls on its face, offering due respect as a subject would to its king. The demon kneels down, as if subservient to one who rules over it. He says, hey, I know, I know my place, I know my place. I'm not in charge, you are. Has sin ever said that to you? Hey, look, you can, you're in charge. I'm not, in, I'm not in control here. You can stop whatever you want. I'm not calling the shots here. You ever want to put me aside? You can do whatever you want. You're in charge. It uh, takes the Lord's name in vain. In God's name, don't torture me. It begs for mercy. This sin literally begs for mercy. The evil does not want to let this guy go. It will do anything to stay and not lose grip on its prey. You ever have that experience with sin? When you might try to put it aside, put it behind you, and it does not want to give up. It does not stop inviting you, enticing you, trying to talk you into just one more time. Or it'll, it'll say, hey, look, you're in control. If you want to put me aside for the whole, if you put me aside all week, just, just go back to me on, on cheat day. Or, you know, the whole month, whole year, I'll make a New Year's resolution. You won't come back to me all year. You're in charge. You can stop this whenever you want to. 
I'll just be over here. If ever you need me, you know. I'm available if you need, but you're, you're in charge. And it begs for mercy. It's, it says, this, there's a large herd of pigs feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons are so desperate to not get tossed out. They say, we'll even go into the pigs nearby. We don't want to leave. We will even go over there, hang out with the pigs. I'm not sure what the relationship is between pigs and demons to make them rush into the water. But that's what happened. But they were, worth, they were willing to make any kind of deal they could to stay in the game, to stay involved, to not be cast out altogether. So the herd, about 2,000 in number, rushes down the steep bank and into the lake and were drowned. You know what's amazing is that it says that Jesus first says, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then it puts up a fight. You know, usually when, this, when Jesus tells a demon what to do, it just does it. This one is put up a fight. It does not want to go. Jesus asks, what's your name? Realizes that there's not just one. There's a legion of demons at work here. Jesus shows up and they continue to lie and rationalize and curse and beg to stay. Sin does not give up easily. You know what the good news is? That even though sin does not give up easily, Jesus does not give up at all. No matter how tight the grip sin has on us, no matter how many demons we have, Jesus does not give up. After that, it says that those tending the pigs ran off and reported this to the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to see Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And they were afraid. They weren't excited. They weren't happy for him. They weren't amazed. They saw this man healed, set free from sin, set free from this evil that had gripped him. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. And then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. He arrives on their shore, (laughs) helps one person, gets back in his boat and leaves. They wanted no parts of this guy. Doesn't that sound strange? Other places, people would flock to Jesus, bring their paralyzed people, their blind people, their lepers. They'd bring everybody to be healed by this guy. But for whatever reason, this crowd wanted them to get out of there. You see, sin does not give up easily. Because sometimes, if left unchecked, We will build a life on our sin. If left unchecked for longer, we can build cultures, families, societies, nations 
on our sin if we leave it unchecked for long enough. Sin can become systemic. It can permeate our culture if we allow it to linger there long enough. Jesus is willing to come and help us eliminate that sin, to chase away the demons from our lives. But if we follow him long enough, if we truly allow him to remove the sin and its effects from our lives, from our families, from our cultures, from our our nations, from our systems, it can cost us something. Imagine for a second, the person who decides to ride their bike to work in the morning because they want to do their part to get rid of all the smog hovering over their town. Now, they don't see a difference made that right away. And in fact, it's going to cost them something. Their calves are going to look awesome. But it'll be more time-consuming. It'll be exhausting. Require hard work. It'll cost them something. Imagine the contractor who has been using cheap migrant laborers to build his business. He decides one day that God is calling him to treat these people more fairly. And if he's going to pay them what they deserve, it's going to cost them something. Imagine the pizza delivery driver who hasn't been paying taxes in their tips. Just get this, these, this cash, right, from the person to your pocket. There's no record of that. But if this person feels a burden to begin to follow the law and pay their taxes, it will cost them something. Imagine the bar owner who has a customer drive home one night drunk and injures themselves or someone else. And that bar owner decides that they feel, they feel led to cut their customers off, to stop serving them and selling them drinks at a certain point to keep them safe on their way home. That'll cost them something. We're reminded in Ephesians 2.8 that we are not saved by our works. It says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. See, it's not the action in the moment that causes real enduring change. It is not this, this act. It's not this work that we do. It is the faith that we have, that if we will walk down the path laid out for us by Jesus Christ, that is a better, more hopeful path. We trust and have faith that that is better than what sin has for me. Even though it is volunteered to live over with the pigs, and I can only go over to it when I want to, where I really need to, and otherwise it'll stay out of my way. It won't entice me more than I need. It's constantly offering me a different path than Jesus Christ's path. And over and over again, we come to believe that giving in to the temptation is going to be better than following the path Jesus has laid out for us. And over and over and over again, as we do that, as we make a, a habit of that, 
We allow that predatory sin to sink its claws into us and get a firmer grip more and more and more. It is not that one act. It's not that one bit of work we do. It is faith that God's path for us laid out by Jesus Christ is better than any other offer to us. We are not saved by our works. We are saved by our faith. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him. Now, as a church pastor, not that I, you know, keep track of the numbers or anything, but someone wants to come to church, can you imagine saying, no, no, no. <laughs> you, you go, no, don't, no, you're good. <laughs> I was like, what? And, you know, Christianity hasn't been around very long at this point. I mean, he's, you know, this is kind of a startup for Jesus, right? He should want all the people that he, that he can get. He says, no. Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Go home, and to, your, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell the Decapolis, which is, means 10 cities, and how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. See, what's supposed to happen is that we connect with Jesus Christ. We give our lives to Jesus Christ. We say, all right, Jesus, we're going to follow you instead of the other things of this world, and we're going to give our lives over to following this path. We're going to follow you from now on. That journey is for him to do that work in our life, to fight with us against sin and temptation, to fill us with this Holy Spirit, to give us the power to overcome that temptation, that addiction, those demons. But then eventually, it is not for us to retreat into the safety of the church, the safety of all the friends who are the same as us, the safety of, all, of seeing nothing, doing nothing but church stuff. It is being saved from sin. It is being built up, and it is being sent out to make a difference in the world around us, to engage with the culture around us to bring the light and life and hope of Jesus Christ with us everywhere we go. The gift that is given to us, Jesus Christ, is really hard to describe and hard to understand. It's hard to see why God himself, who is supposed to be pretty wise, chose us as his vehicle to deliver the news about Jesus to other people. Why he chose us to be his vehicle to bring hope and life and light into the darkness of the world to give hope to people who need it. Why he chose us to be the ones who participate in his building the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. I will ask him when I get there, what were you thinking? <laughs> Do you know me? Do you know what the things that I'm not good at? I know you all do. I'm assuming he does too. <laughs> he chooses us anyway. No matter how many demons, no matter what is wrong with us, no matter how broken we are, no matter how, how 
tossed aside we are into the tombs and pigs of the world. He would land the boat for that one person. He would land the boat for you, come and get you away from the tombs and the pigs and give you new life and new hope. Life in Jesus Christ. We are called to more than we've been before. And so we come to the season of Lent. We come to Ash Wednesday, reminded that we begin the season of Lent by taking stock of who we are, what we've done, and owning it specifically in prayer, telling the Lord, look, I know that I've done these things. I knew they were wrong. I like doing them. I prefer doing those things and a lot of the things you want me to do. It's going to take a miracle of epic proportions for you to come into my life and change this about me, but okay, if you want to do the miracle, I'm ready. Maybe you've never said that before. It's a great day. A great day to say it for the first time. And trust him to save you from those things that are predators chasing you around. Maybe you've said it before, but you've let those things creep back in and get a hold on you again. It's a great day to name those things, point them out to Jesus Christ, and ask him to save you from those things. He is eager, desperate to do so. He loves you. He wants to be your friend. He wants to be close to you. He wants to welcome you into his family, into his life, into his work. All we have to do is say yes. I receive your grace. I receive your forgiveness. I'm ready to walk your path. I'm ready to do your work. Let's get to it.